Well, good morning, Westview. How are you this lovely morning? Are you sure you're great? I can't hear you. Great? Okay. I'm doing great as well. Hey, I am Wayne Hobson, one of the pastors here at Westview Community Church. And we want to welcome you to our fifth installment of our series called One based on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And this morning, we're going to be looking in and taking a deep dive into chapter 5 of Ephesians. So whether you have your Bible as a hard copy or a digital version on your phone, or if you don't, don't worry, it'll come up on the screen at just the right time. Yeah, thank God for technology. Amen. And if you are a guest visiting with us for the first time, we want to welcome you and thank you for joining us. And we'd love to just connect with you. And you'll notice on your worship guide at the very bottom, uh, there is a perforated section that you can tear off. And just give us your contact info, and we'd love to reach out to you. On the other side, though, you will see a section for baptism, if you are interested in being baptized, if you feel the Holy Spirit urging you to take that plunge, so to speak, we'll have baptism classes on October 16th, next Sunday. So please connect with us and let us know if you care to be baptized. And the last thing I want to quickly mention to you is something new we are starting on the 30th of October, which is something called Growth Paths. It's a discipleship program designed for your spiritual journey. And we invite you to become a part of that. You'll hear more about it next Sunday. And on October 23rd, we'll do the sign-up. And the classes or courses will begin on October 30th. We are really excited about this because it allows you not only to take your own spiritual journey, but to see where God is calling you into his body's work. Amen? All right. Now, I want to jump into chapter 5, but before I do, I want to show you a picture this picture is of the Morning Glory Spillway. It is just outside of San Francisco in the Napa Valley country of California. This spillway happens to be the largest funnel in the United States and one of the largest in the world. It's connected to the Monticello Dam. And what it does is if there is flooding in the area that will head towards San Francisco, this funnel will absorb it. Now, that may not sound like such a big deal, but its size is because it can drain an Olympic-sized swimming pool that's 88,000 cubits of water 
in two seconds. Yes, incredible, isn't it? It is 72 inches around, but it is 400 feet. So it's 72 feet around, but 400 feet in its full diameter. And at its base, at its mouth, at the bottom, it's 28 feet. Now, that being a large funnel, you may wonder, what does that have to do with Ephesians? A whole lot. Because like that large funnel, Paul's letter to the Ephesians also is a funnel. Because he starts off wide. When you start off in chapter 1 and 2, he focuses on the Gentiles being one with the Jewish people in faith. That this large, diverse group of people from all ethnic backgrounds are connected together. So he starts off wide talking about all the things that show us that we are unified. But then he starts to narrow things down like a funnel. Because when we get to chapters 5 and 6, he's now focusing on the family. So he starts off with the Jews and Gentiles. And then he brings it in and brings it down to where you and I live. And that's where chapter 5 starts off. And so this sermon is entitled, One Family. Because that's what we are. It doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter about our socioeconomic background. It doesn't matter about our educational status. It doesn't matter about our ethnicity. What matters is that we are joined together with Christ as one. And we will talk a little bit about how the world is divided from us. But all of us as believers are connected together and inseparable. And so when Paul starts off in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, he's continuing a thought that ends with forgiveness in chapter 4. He's continuing a thought about how we are not to live and then how we are to live. And when he concludes chapter 4 with forgiving one another, has Christ has forgiven us. And as the love of God through Christ's sacrifice allows us to be forgiven by God, then he picks up in verse 1 of chapter 5, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, 
whether you're here live in our worship center or whether you're joining us on Facebook Live, I invite you to think about the fact that Jesus, who was offered up, who was beaten, bloodied, and then placed on the cross, that that to God was not only pleasing, but it becomes a sweet perfume in his presence. That's a mystery. But the mystery resolves in the sense that he did it all so that you and I could be joined to the family of God. And that through that, we are imitators, therefore, of Christ in all that we do. And as imitators of Christ, we are being reminded that we are no longer part of the world, but we are part of the kingdom of God and his Christ. The most important news that has ever been heard. To be able to come out of darkness and to be drawn into the marvelous light and then to be one united in that light and in that oneness my first thought for you is this we walk as imitators of one source and one family we walk as imitators of one source and one family. And the world has a lot of sources. Everything from news and media to sports, to radio, to television, to cultural personalities. But Paul reminds us we have one source, that's Jesus Christ himself. Where are you getting your source from? What is your source? Because the world would have you turn on the news every morning and not pay attention to Jesus. But Paul reminds us that we are always connected to Jesus as not only our one source, he is the source of our light and he makes us one family under him. Whereas the world would have us be divided, Christ has us unified. And in the midst of that, here's what else he has to say. Because in every family, there are rules. In your household, and in my household, there are rules, whether written or unwritten, spoken or unspoken. Those in the household know the rules. And so Paul lays out the rules for us, starting in verse 3. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Mm, pay attention to that. 
He's setting the rules and the standards of God's kingdom, and he's about to tell us why. I've seen stories, foolish talk, or coarse jokes. These are not for you. How powerful is that? He's making a distinction in how we walk and how the world walks to make sure we don't walk in the same direction because if we did, we would face the same condemnation. But Paul had said somewhere else that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And so now what he's doing is he's making it distinctly clear for us that our identity cannot be in the world. Because the world right now especially has a lot of identities. But we have one source, therefore we have one identity. And that is Christ and the gospel that he died to give us. Listen to what he says then. He says, instead... Let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of God will fall upon all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. The light is us. Make no mistake about that. Jesus made that clear in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, when he was doing the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. And who would take a great light and hide it under a bushel or under a measuring basket so that it cannot be seen? Jesus is telling us that we cannot be in the same stratosphere, if you will, as the world. We must be different because if we are not, then we have the same darkness in us that the world has in it. But thanks be to God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are the light. And we are the reflection of Jesus in the world. Because right now, the world is at its darkest point that perhaps it's ever been. 
And there's so much confusion about whether or not we should walk this way or walk that way. Consider that denominations which have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years are now splitting or have split over trying to appease the world. But I assure you that the gospel of Jesus Christ as it's written in his holy word and revealed to us declares that we as the light must outshine the darkness. Because if we do not, the world won't know the difference. The old saying is that if someone calls you a fool, don't respond because you might not know the difference. The world itself, as Paul is declaring, is living in foolishness because it has no direction. It goes to and fro from thing to thing. But we walk in truth, as Paul said. Truth does not change. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not change. No matter what the world does, and let's be clear, the world is not our friend. So no matter what the world does, we as believers are called out from it to be the light of it and in it. And the light that God is working for you and in you, that same light he's also working through you. And that's what Paul is directing us to be here. Now some might look at these words and say that they're condemning. No, he's upholding the truth. Because in a day like we live in now, where we are divided by everything from gender specifics to you name it, the world wants us to identify ourselves with all of that. And just when the world tries to give you the answers, they change the questions. That's why we stick with the eternal truth of the gospel. That's what Paul is saying to us. Don't be movable, but let your faith be unshakable in this day and age. Listen to what else he says. Because when the light is exposed, so are the deeds of the world. His whole point here for us is that we are meant to expose that which is unpleasing to God. In being that light, we are empowered to share that light. The very thing that the world doesn't want to hear is exactly what we need to say. And here's my thoughts for you. 
We walk as one light in a dark world. One light. We are not to be divided ourselves. Because when we allow the world to divide us as the church, then we are allowing the world to conquer us. But Paul also said somewhere else that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who loves us. So it's with that oneness in the word that we have our power. And I urge you not to let the world distract you or put you in dismay because the light will outshine the dark. It always has, and thank God it always will. Then let's look at what Paul says in verse 15. For he says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because it will, that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we assemble here on Sundays and during the week for life groups and small groups, we are shedding the light and we are sharing the light with one another which keeps us strengthened Paul reminds us that as we are unified so we have to also like a funnel pour into one another each of you has a purpose in Christ to strengthen those around you and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to declare the light, and we are able even more so to be the light. And the brighter we shine, the more darkness we repel. But in the midst of that, we pour into one another that's why we sing the way we do. That's why even when Brenna was doing the prayer, she talked about a posture of prayer, a way in which all of us can connect to Christ, but not only to Christ, to one another. Because as we connect to one another, we strengthen one another. All of us being unified as one are like the light switch. We turn each other on spiritually. And without each other, we go dim. 
So Paul reminds us as a family to stay rooted in one another as well as rooted in Christ. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit can that happen. And then look what he says in verses 21 onward. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When we submit to one another, when we work together as one, we strengthen the way the world sees Christ in us. But now, like that funnel, Paul is now going narrow and about to go deep. Because now he's talking about our families and our households and how we are the light of our own homes. Listen to what he says in verse 22 onward. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, I know a lot of men would like us to stop right there. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> because Paul has a deeper meaning than just submitting. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, let's unpack that for a minute. You see, there is a hierarchy in heaven. And that hierarchy in heaven also is a hierarchy within our homes. Just as Christ submits to his Father's will to die for us. So there is submission in the home. But I said submission, not slavery. Big difference between those two. Because Christ submitted to the will of God because he knew the value of doing so. And so when Paul refers to wives submitting to their husbands, he's not saying that you, the wife, are less than your husband, but he's saying that there is a hierarchy that we follow. The son obeys the father. The spirit of God obeys the son of God. The father sends the son, the son sends the spirit hierarchy the same thing in our homes and I know in this day and age the world would have us to change all that around but truth is eternal and does not change now in the midst of that there's a responsibility on both sides it's not one sided it's not a one-lane highway, but a two-lane road. Because as the wife submits to the husband, the husband sacrifices for the wife the way that Christ sacrificed for the church. And so Paul goes on. As he reminds us 
in verse 25 that Christ gave himself for the church. So husbands, we are to love our wives in the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself. And then in 26, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Your marriage, my marriage, is not about us. Paul is reminding us that our marriages are about Christ and his bride. We in our marriages are physical representations of God's spiritual concept. So when our marriages line up with the word of God as a light, it becomes a light to the world of the glory of Christ and his church. It is our light in the world, both in our homes as well as in our walk in the world that makes us distinct, that shows the difference between eternal condemnation and eternal salvation. And when we show the world through our marriage, and it doesn't even matter whether you're married or single, we are all married to Christ. We are all part of his bride. And in that marriage, the world will know that we are right and that we are made righteous. So Paul reminds us about the great mystery of our marriage being tied to Christ and the church and how Christ and the church are one. So it is to be in our homes. As I said before, the hierarchy in heaven is also the hierarchy in our homes. And the lordship of Jesus reigns clear and true in our lives as we submit not only to one another but to the authority of him who loved us and gave himself for us. So Paul reminds us of this. So again I say every man must love his wife 
as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Husbands, let me say this to you from what I had to learn from my own experience. That when you sacrifice for your wife, the way that Paul says, you'll never have to demand your wife's respect. She'll automatically give it to you. Because we have that same respect for Christ and for what he did for us. And we are eternally reminded as husbands and as wives, even as singles, we are eternally reminded that we are a reflection of who Jesus is. And when he comes back for us, we ourselves will be shown as the light in the midst of the world's greatest darkness. We will be its greatest illumination. And here's my final thought for you. God's great mystery is our oneness in our marriage. I encourage you and implore you not to allow the world to distract you or to pull you away from what the word of God says. Because what it says is for us to enjoy eternally. Not only as the light of this world, but as the light that is in heaven. Because the book of Revelation tells us that we'll no longer need the sun or the moon, but the light, that light which is Jesus within us, shall shine day and night for all eternity, and we will forever be with the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks as we go into this time of offering. And as we know, we can leave our monetary gifts at either end of the worship center. We offer up also ourselves and our marriages to you. We offer up our families and our walk so that as we walk in the world, it sees the light of your love in us and through us. In Jesus' name, as we offer ourselves and our marriages, Receive our offerings, both in deed and in monetary gifts, for the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.